you'll turn to the passage that uh, Doc read for us again today as we continue our study. We are looking at the armor of God, specifically the whole armor of God. And there we're on the third piece of the armor today, and that is the footwear. Specifically found, I believe it's in verse number 15, but we're looking at that passage here altogether. Now, I don't know if uh, you have thought about this, but it's pretty, uh, it's, it, it, Ephesians is really the perfect letter for Paul to write um, from prison. Because he is under, and we're not exactly sure, maybe perhaps some sort of house arrest, and so maybe it's not as bad as some sort of um, uh, quiet, dark, damp, cold dungeon as we would think of in some sort of King Arthur type of theme. But he is under house arrest nonetheless, and we know that there were soldiers posted around him. And so in some fashion in Rome... Uh, he, he's writing this, and, and in some fashion, he, uh, in, in prison there, has this soldier near him. And so as he is sitting there, or however he's composing this letter, he relates life to war and uses the metaphor of this very Roman soldier that he sees at least often enough, or perhaps is standing right there near him. And as he sees the soldier, he is comparing the great centurion soldiers of the day that were famous for battle and for war and that everybody would have known about and understood about this armor. And he is saying, you know what, life is like that guy. And he's saying, look, we have to be ready for war just like he is. And so we need all of these pieces of armor as Christians who we are in Christ And so we have related and seen the metaphor, that is, the armor is the realities or the truths of the gospel. It's a perfect fit, a perfect metaphor, because life is war. Now, fast forward from that time when Paul is writing this to a couple thousand years later, and there's an older pastor who writes this, and he is dead on when he says... But most people do not believe in their life that life is war, in their heart that life is war. Most people show by their priorities their casual approach to spiritual things that they, that they believe we're in some sort of peacetime, not wartime. In wartime, the newspapers carry headlines about how the troops are doing. In wartime, families talk about the sons and the daughters out on the front lines, and they write to them, and they pray for them with heart-wrenching concern for their safety. In wartime, we, as a people, as a nation, are on alert. We are armed. We're vigilant. In wartime, we spend money differently. There is austerity, not for its own sake, but because there are more strategic ways to spend money than on new tires at home. The war effort, it touches everybody. We all cut back. The luxury liner becomes a troop carrier. But what have millions of Christians done? They have stopped believing that we're in a war. There's no urgency. There's no watching. There's no vigilance. There's no strategic planning. Just easy peacetime and prosperity. And friends... I'm not trying to just fill time by reading this quote to you every day, but I want us to wake up. 
we are in a war, as Ryan said, for your soul. And if you are a believer here, you've got to feel that and experience that and know that. And you know it's not a normal war either, is it? It's a spiritual war. It's all sorts of nefarious, spirit, nefarious spiritual cosmic evil that's going on. Stuff that we don't even know or see or understand or realize. But it is going on. How do we know? Because that's what our text says is going on. And you know, we can't fight this war on our own. We can't even win the war on our own. So, we have to be given the right weapons. We have to be properly outfitted for this war, for this battle. And so far, we've worked through two pieces of that armor. The first was the belt of truth, meaning that we need to know, or we could say it metaphorically, right, like the, the, the armor. We need to ingest, we need to know truth, all of it, right? Not just, look, we just need to know what truth is, the truth of the word of God. The truth is what holds, like about everything together. Second, last week, we looked at the breastplate of righteousness, meaning we have to come to rely upon. We have to trust the righteousness of Jesus for protection when war is waged, waged specifically on our core. That is the seat of affections from the neck down through the midsection. That area where the, old, the, the, the ancients believed that, you know, they got an upset stomach. And so they thought, oh, that's the place of the feeling and the effect. They believe. So what it's talking about here is the core. In other words, the seat of our will and emotions, our affections, how we feel coming from our mind and our heart. We have got to protect that with the righteousness of Jesus. And this week, Paul was looking at this soldier sitting there. And he noticed, huh, that soldier has got some pretty unique footwear. And so metaphorically, he takes that and he relates the soldier's footwear to the Christian's life in verse 15. Verse 15 reads, and as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, it's interesting that Paul uses or mentions footwear, because typically when we think of battle, we don't really think too much about footwear. I mean, when we think of our, uh, we, we think of what's going on over in the Middle East right now, we don't really think of our soldiers and their footwear, do we? But maybe that is because we think more, we're, we're worried more about the stealth, the power. You know, we're just so enthralled with the, the big guns and the, the big booms and all that stuff, because that's what we're, like in modern day warfare, what we're, what we're worried about. But in context, what Paul does or what he talks about here is footwear and he makes it and he helps us to understand that it's a very important part of the soldier's garb. And for us, it's a very important part of the life of a believer. Very important. And so, let's look at this these, the, the footwear. Let's look at these, gosp these, uh, uh, these shoes, okay? And uh, we're going to work through that this morning. So first of all, we need to ask, what is it? What is, what is this? Or what are they, I should say, 
matter, but what is it? What, what is this thing all about? What is this footwear? It's identified there in verse 15 as what? Look at your text. It says readiness. So he says the footwear is actually or is readiness. Now, that's important for us to understand because it guides the context. That is, it helps us to know what the author is meaning here. Now, I want you to, and perhaps you've seen this, uh, you've seen this, in, you know, when you, especially when you're kids or you teach little kids or you see images on, online or something like Google Images or something. A lot of times when it's talking about the whole armor of God, it'll label the shoes as the gospel shoes or the shoes of gospel of peace or something. And I submit to you that that's actually incorrect. And you'll see why as we work through this this morning. The, the shoes aren't the gospel of peace. Now, that's where the shoes come from. I'll argue for that here in just a minute or a few minutes. But the shoes are readiness because the text says, having put on, what's the next word? It doesn't say the gospel of peace. It doesn't say shoes of peace. It doesn't say gospel. It says shoes of readiness. Now, the shoes are ready. What is this readiness that we're supposed to put on? What in the world does that mean? Because it's kind of, it's, again, it's a metaphor. Paul's trying to communicate to us as believers in this war we live. What does he mean? Well, this word readiness is a unique word. It's what the, what the theologians call a, a, a hapax, because, or a hapax, because it's the only time in the New Testament that this word occurs like this. It's the only place in the New Testament. And so it makes the communication of this word not as easy, but we can know, we believe we can know what, uh, based on what the original language communicates about the meaning of this word. And that is, it's the idea of preparedness or awareness. Or as one New Testament professor puts it like this, the imagery here signifies that those who have their feet properly fitted will be equipped or are equipped and prepared for spiritual warfare. It is readiness, meaning that the piece of armor that Paul is telling us to put on is preparedness. We are to be prepared. Now, I'm saying it a few different ways, readiness, prepared, because maybe one of those will stick better with you than the other. But the point is, with this metaphor, we're asked to do is we're to have our feet wearing readiness still kind of, uh, still might seem abstract, doesn't it? Kind of an abstract kind of thing to do. And so let's, let's, look, at the, let's look at the metaphor as a whole, all right? What, what does this mean? Well, let's look at all the pieces together. Review. Okay, God made the armor to all work together, didn't he? Because he says put on the whole armor of God. He didn't say, oh, look, on Tuesdays you're going to face, you know, Betsy Jane, and she's going to be a real pain, and so... And she's going to remind you of things and tell you you're horrible. So put on the breastplate of righteousness on Tuesday. Don't worry about your feet on Tuesday. But on Thursday, don't forget to put on the, you know, bring your shield with you. It's the whole armor of God is what we all are equipped with and should put on. And so we put on every piece. And the first is that belt of truth. We must know the truth in order to be able to defend ourselves, to not be taken prisoner to do what verses 10 through 14 tell us no less than four times to do, and that is to stand. Okay, what does that practically look like? Well, sometimes we are told or we're led to believe, whether it's the media or our own selves, things like this. God, you're not fair. 
no, don't ever believe that. That's not true. God, you're not loving. That's not true either. God, you're mean. That's not true either. God, you don't know what you're doing. That's not true either. God, you're a million miles away. That's not true. We have to know truth. That's what it practically looks like. Then we must remember that we have been clothed in the gift of Jesus' righteousness. So when that core, in other words, our heart area, which metaphorically, like our mind and, and our, uh, our emotions and feelings and our, what, remember we talked about Jonathan, the word calls these the, the, the affections that we have. So that way when they are attacked, we will stay secure. We'll be, guard, we'll be protected. What does that practically look like? It looks like this. You go down, you get on your knees to pray, you're in your car and you're praying, and all, immediately in your mind this comes up, oh, why are you praying? You're not good enough to pray. Ever happened before? Or maybe you're just somewhere and you're in the, like in the, this, the craziest time, right? You're in a board meeting at your office and it says, look, Christian, why are you even trying to do what's right? You keep failing. You're horrible. You can't do it. And so he, he, these schemes of the devil, he's attacking our core, our emotions, our, and he's trying to get us all out of whack. Why? So that way we don't stand. So that way we do fail. But we have to remind ourselves, no, you are right. I might not be good enough, but Jesus is, and he clothed me. He gave me Jesus' righteousness. So guess what? I am pretty bad, dude, and you don't know the half of it, devil. I'm even worse than that. So bring, and I'm not saying literally do this, but bring it on because I got Jesus. And now we are to put on readiness. So you can see he's keeping with the same, it's, they're, they're, it's a metaphor. All right? So with that in mind, he's telling us, okay, we put it all together. This is what these pieces, what they do. Okay? Now the shoes are shoes of readiness. But secondly, we gotta, we got to know what that means. Like, what's their purpose? Okay? we got to understand the belt and the breastplate. We need to know what the shoes are for too, right? And so there are three main things that tell us or describe to us what the shoes are for. All right? So I want to look at those three things. All right? So we have, and that is probably a replication because I don't know that there maybe there's something extant like that around in some museum somewhere. I don't know. That looks a little too, but you notice on the bottom of those shoes, uh, you, you notice the shoes and there's, you know, treads on the bottom and stuff. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But that would be a replica of perhaps, uh, maybe, uh, the best of our knowledge uh, based on drawings and history and stuff of what they most likely could have looked like. Okay? So what about these shoes? There are first, there are three main things. First of all, there is, that the shoes were good for was for traction, Right? Traction. Traction helps in battle. Thus, you can see there the little spikes on the bottom. Almost all of the historical information pointed to, to shoes that the soldiers would wear that had little spikes coming out of the bottom. Maybe we would say something like today it's a modern-day cleat, right? A modern-day like a soccer boot or a football cleat or baseball cleat or something like that. The purpose for this soldier was so that he had a good footing in battle so he wouldn't slip or fall when he was maneuvering. That makes sense. There he is in battle, and they were fighting with swords or spears or whatever they would fight with in their shields. And I guess, perhaps, 
we don't fight like this, really. Uh, I mean, I did when I was a kid, but it was just a foam sword. Um, although I think probably I whipped Ryan a few times with some sticks or something because I got mad, and he probably did the same to me. So maybe something like that. But you would stand there, the soldier would stand there, and he would be defending himself or advancing or whatever. And you could probably imagine that if he was on a rock or someplace that was slippery or in the mud, and he slipped, oh, there he goes, and then, of course, off with his head. It wouldn't have been a good situation. So the traction on the shoes was beneficial. Now, for the believer, the meaning is readiness and our ability to maneuver or our ability to take what comes as well without slipping or falling. As the British pastor Lloyd-Jones stated, in a sense, everything depends upon the security and the safety and the good functioning of the feet. Friends, you can't slip or the enemy is going to advance on you and perhaps even kill you. So what God says here, what he reminds us, is that he gave us shoes of readiness or shoes that are full of traction to help us to be ready. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, God gave us some pretty amazing things to be prepared for and ready so we don't slip within the spiritual battles that we fight. What did he give us to help us not slip? What did he give us to help us keep traction? He gave us the indwelling Holy Spirit, did he not? Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The Holy Spirit indwells you to help you to live and to carry out the purpose. And that main purpose is to make Jesus big to other people. He helps us do that through the indwelling spirit. Not only give us the spirit, he gave us the scriptures. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 says, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm, how? In one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Standing through your faith because of the gospel. We have the scriptures to help us to stand firm in the faith. The scriptures to keep us unified. You know, if an army is, um, I can't remember which movie it was recently. It was some, I think it was some sort of revolution or, uh, yeah, revolutionary war movie or something. And the, one of the tactics that the generals were, was trying, maybe it was a book I was reading. But they, would, they, they used to fight that crazy way, right, where they would line up in lines and then just shoot. Like to us, that's totally weird. Um, back then it was it. And then they would try to, if they could, they could try to split the armies. Why? Because then the smaller numbers, and then they would freak out, and then there would be panic, and it would be easier to, to beat. That's exactly what the evil one wants with us. He wants for us as a church to not be unified. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to fight over politics. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to fight over whether we get the vaccine or not. And church, we're not going to fight about stupid things like that. Because all that that does is divide a church. You believe what you want to believe about that stuff. That's fine. But listen, there, we are not going to let the evil one divide us about stuff like that. We're not. It's dumb. There is a great war that's going on for our souls and for other souls. 
your souls are redeemed. They still want, the evil one still wants to fight and, and divide us. Wants us to call each other anti-vaxxers or pro-Trumpers or whatever the, the pejorative term of the day is. That's what he wants. We can't, so, so this gives us traction, right? This, this helps us to be unified, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, to be one family of one mind. We don't have to believe the same exact things. That's not what one mind means. But we got to be unified on stuff. Make sense? Yeah, it does. He also gave us the church. He gave us each other. Why? For accountability and encouragement. Ecclesiastes 4, I love this, this, uh, this picture. It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. But a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We need each other. Listen, church, you can't fight this life on your own. You can't do it. You can try. But one may be overpowered and will soon in this spiritual war because it is such a unique war, war that you can't battle on your own. But three or more, and let's just take our church. If we stay together, we're unified, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can stand as this text tells us to stand. We need each other. You know what I need? I need you. I need the text messages. I am praying for you. I need the text messages. Hey, look, you said this the other day. You were whatever, and what's going on? Or I need somebody to tell me, get in my face and say, look, you had a bad attitude with that. We need each other to do that. That's what a church family is for. One of the things that we need each other. That's one of the things we need each other for. So we have these different things where God has given us these amazing gifts to help us to stay on task, to not slip. We need to be ready, and this type of traction can help us to stand. Oh, and by the way, if, and I've, I've, you, in the metaphor, if you think in your life, look, I keep slipping and falling. Yeah, the enemy's just kind of stabs, stabs me every day. I just can't win. Remember, that's not true. Back to the belt. That's not true. Because if you're in Christ, you have all the tools and the weapons. You might not be using them well or using them at all, but you can stand. Don't see how they work together? Don't believe untruth. All right, the shoes, secondly, were also for protection. Now, maybe you've, okay, here's the, here's the illustration. Maybe you've seen a movie, and it's set in a forest or a jungle or something like that. And uh, I'm thinking of the the, uh, something like the Swiss Family Robinson. Remember they dug that big pit and they tried to catch the lion or something like that. Now, they, now in that movie, they, or the, I can't remember what they caught, but they wanted to use it as a pet. But the little boy wanted to catch it, right? And um, he caught one thing and then he wanted the lion so that way when the, the, the pirates came. So people do use that. You can think of illustrations like that. And they dig the big pit and they put, what do they do typically though at the, end, at the bottom of those pits? They pick up, they put what? They take the bamboo and they put spikes, right? So that way, and then they, cut, they, they put the, the twigs and stuff over the top and they put the leaves and they try to make it look like it's, it's all natural. So that way when some sort of unsuspecting intruder or passerby um, walks on it, then boom, off, down they go and ah, they got him. It's like a booby trap, right? Well, the shoes are nothing like that. So you say, why, did I, why am I using that image? Well... That's the best image I had for, for this. Here's what would happen. They would, literally, in, in that, at that day and age of warfare, 
all right, they would put on the ground, whether through leather or through um, some sort of, you know, like adobe that they would make hard uh, or whether through wood or something, they would drive on the ground and they would put these little spikes. Perhaps even uh, take a clay pot and break it all up into sharp shards and they would spread it around or something like that. Um, the only thing I can think of like in modern day warfare would be something like a landmine that you didn't know was there and you step on it and not good things happen, right? This is, they use these sort of landmine type of things as well. So they would put these little spikes on the ground. So that's where the illustration makes sense, I guess. Uh, they would put these little spikes on the ground, and then the foot would step on top of it, right? And depending, depending upon what type of shoes that the enemy was wearing, sometimes and a majority of the time up to that point, no shoes at all, they would step on this, and it would render them what? incapacitate them. It would hurt them, right? On that small scale in ancient combat, those little spikes would be placed on the ground in hopes to disable and or at least distract the enemy. Well, the way to help protect against that was to have the feet covered with those shoes, those shoes like in that picture. And so when a soldier was in battle, his feet, in battle, his feet would be protected Okay, so what is this, how does this relate to the Christian life? Well, part of the readiness in our battle is that we would say that we're guarded or that we're protected ourselves. Remember, 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This evil forces, this spiritual battle isn't just... Um, just isn't, isn't fought just on groundbreak. You know, it's not just the, remember where I said a minute ago, we're kind of enamored with the big booms, right? Like we look forward to the, like what kind of gun do you have? Oh, I've got a 9 mil. Oh, yeah, well, I've got a 50. <laughs> you know, like we're just enamored with big stuff and the big booms and stuff. But the evil one has many different schemes. Week one and two, we talked about this. And so the battle isn't fought in a in ground war with the high-powered weapons only, but also with the little things that can agitate us, that can distract us as well. Are you protected against these sorts of schemes? One more. The shoes also had to provide mobility. Mobility. They had to be light. In other words, they had to... Uh, help make the soldier agile. In his commentary, that same British pastor said about this, he, he actually devotes a whole chapter. He devotes a whole chapter on mobility. And he says this, he says, quote, what then is the spiritual application for us as believers? Well, this first point is clearly that we must not be slow. He goes on to explain this as sluggish, sluggish, lifeless Christians who drag their feet spiritually. That there's no concern for spiritual well-being. There's no adaptability in the war because they aren't able to recognize the tactics because they just don't care or they are lazy. And so, friends, do you see what these shoes are for? These shoes of readiness. In other words, he's telling us we as believers need to have some traction in our life. We need to know how to move. We need to know the truth. We need to know uh, it to protect us. We need to know it so that way when the different schemes and the different things come our way, we can be mobile. 
we can handle the, the different attacks. Remember, the attacks all don't come from the outside. Maybe we'd see that uh, as, as the belt, knowing truth, so that way the, the attacks come from the outside. We also need to know the, the schemes that come from the inside, right, that attack our core, our emotions, our feelings. I don't feel like a Christian. Not true. You might not feel like it, but you still can be. You still are one, even though you don't feel like it. Why? Because of Jesus' righteousness. So the attacks come. We have to be able to move. We have to be able to be agile and be awake, alert. The Bible says we need to be ready. Because the schemes are varied. The schemes look different all the time. And so we have to. That's what readiness is. I think that makes a lot of sense for us in our life as believers. Now, the next question is, all right, where does this readiness come from? And this will tie it all together, and we'll see how uh, specifically uh, what the readiness looks like, okay, more concrete. Well, obviously, this readiness comes from God since it's the armor of God, but look at verse 15 again. It tells us specifically where it comes from. It says, given by what? The gospel of peace. Given by the gospel of peace. Well, what does this mean and how does this work? Okay, so I see, I don't know how long that's been out, but this is number three. That third question is where, number three, where does this come from? Well, we can be ready and we can live in a state of readiness. We can be prepared why? Because we're at peace with God, right? That peace with God is what gives us the readiness. That peace with God is what makes us ready. That peace with God is what helps us to be prepared, right? What is that? L let me explain that. When you're trying to stand in a battle, a spiritual battle, right? Or let's say a soldier is trying to stand in battle. And he has, as he's standing there, and he has all sorts of distractions come his way. And humans are complex beings. And so sometimes those um, distractions can be internal, right? We talked about the breastplate. Sometimes they can, it's not just the arrows being lobbed at them. And sometimes they can come from so many different directions and like 15 of them can come at once. Again, because we're complex. And so we have to, that, that soldier has to be able to stand, doesn't he? Okay? So when we're trying to stand... Okay, and remember what standing is? Standing is not retreating. It's defensive. I submitted to you that this armor is mostly a defensive type of armor. It's not surrendering. It's holding, or in other words, we would say it's trusting Jesus in this war. Okay? For us to be able to do that, Paul said in Corinth, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. For us to stand firm in the faith, the only way for us to do that is if we know that we're at peace with God. That's the only way. Because just like that soldier who's in battle, and if he had a problem with his wife back at home earlier in that day, and he is in his mind thinking about that, he sees the dude with the arrow over there, and he's got his shield up, but he forgets about the guy coming over here because he's thinking just for a split nanosecond about, ugh, I can't believe that I did that. I'm such a jerk and an idiot. I did that back at home to my wife or my kids. Here comes the guy with the sword. He has his sword here, forgets for a second, and then all of a sudden he turns just inside in time to see a blade come at him. That's not good. That's not ready, is it? So this 
readiness comes from peace at God. So that way, when we are at war in our daily lives and we're fighting, again, we're complex, and there can be three or four or five or six or 7,000 different things that are lobbed our way that we can handle it, all of it. Why? Because we know that we're at peace with God. We know it. So we don't have to... Okay, I, uh, how do I explain this without sounding like heretical? Um, we, we sin, we mess up. And when we do that, yes, we should confess and we should repent. And so when we're in this life called war and we sin, we confess and repent. But what typically happens, because he's the accuser, because that's what Satan means, when he reminds us of those things, goes at our affections, emotions, right? When he tells us we're good, good, horrible, rotten people, okay, yes, but the truth is that it's the belt. When we're in battle like that, he tries to distract us with those things. But what we have to remember is that we're covered, we're covered because Jesus made peace with us and with God. We're okay with God. So, so this is where... Do we mess? Yes, we have to confess and repent. Live life is all of repentance, as Luther said. But listen, we are secure and we can be confident because we're at peace with God. We don't lose our salvation. We don't fellowship might be broken a little bit until we repent and confess. But we don't lose our sonship. Our we don't lose our adoption. We don't lose our regeneration. We don't lose uh, our our justification, we don't lose the glorification, we don't lose those things. Why? Because Jesus made peace with God for us. And if we, by faith, believe in Jesus, and he's given us the gift of righteousness, then we're at peace. And nothing can take that away, period. So that way, when we're in battle, and the devil tries that spiritual battle, and he lobs things our way, and you know what? He says, well, look, this morning, you did something horrible. You know what? I did. And I'm going to confess that. And I'm going to, to that person and make it right. And I'm going to repent of that. But you know what? I'm at peace with God. So try your best. It's not going to work. So we don't have to be, James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And part of that double-mindedness is when that evil one wants to, oh, you remember this. And just distract us for a second. Does that make sense? Brothers and sisters, you're at peace. You have peace because of Jesus. And that is what makes us able to be ready, to be able to be mobile, to have that traction, to not retreat, but to stand. And so if we put all of this together, as that slide said in the beginning there throughout our worship this morning, Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified with, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That guilt that comes, guilt is, guilt is what we feel for what we've done. That shame that comes, guilt or shame is what we feel for who we are. All those things that he, no, we're at peace with God as believers. Again, so I'm not heretical, that doesn't mean you, you, you just, may we continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid, right? We repent and we confess, but the, after that, I love the way one of, my, one of my mentors said, just move on. Repent and confess, make the adjustments, 
Just move on. Don't beat yourself up for the next 23 years over something you did or something that was done to you. If we put all this armor together, here's the summary. We're in a fight. It's wartime. And because we're at peace with God, because we know that God isn't angry with us, because we know that we're not the object of his wrath through faith in Christ, we can stand without distraction. We can stand with full assurance and confidence that we, in other words, we can be ready. We can fight and take whatever tactics come. And this is how, my friends, in verse 10, we can be strong in the strength of his might. This is how we're able to stand in wartime. And so aren't you thankful that God, or thankful for the peace that the gospel brings to us in this war? I am. And you know, one of those reminders that we have about the peace of God is the symbol of communion. And so if you'll take just a second and take your communion cup, if you don't have one and you uh, would, if you're a believer and you'd like to take part of this right on the back table back there, you can right now go 